0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Minutes with Mute. As the one and only Scott Mutrin joins us. You know him from the Learfield, BC IMG Football Radio Network sideline reporter. Um, you know, Mr. BC Football. Uh, Scott joins us, unfortunately, un- under some bad times as BC was uh, blown out by Notre Dame 40-7 to out in South Bend. Before we get to Scott, quickly want to remind everybody if you're a BC Football fan, you got to be a part of the BC Football Gridiron Club. BCFootballGridiron.com to get more details. And, you know, one more road trip to Pittsburgh this year. And then we're looking forward to 2020. So, a great opportunity to join the BC Football Gridiron Club. Okay, with that, we'll bring in Scott Mutian. First of all, Scott, uh, happy enough to have you on board. How was the trip just in general to South Bend? And I got to ask, we, we closed last podcast with your food options. Friday night. How did everything go with that, at least, before we go to the game?
1: (laughs) Well, it ended up being great, Mike. Uh, We (laughs) we ended up going to a uh, brewery called Shoreline Brewery in Michigan City, Indiana. And uh, I had a a great lamb burger that I split with our producer, Steve Giaccio. He had a pork tenderloin sandwich, and it was quite tasty. We had some uh, pierogies, which are a Midwest staple as long as a, uh, as well as a, uh, pie that we split a little pizza pie and, uh, some fried pickles. So it was a, it was a nice dinner experience for all of us. And, uh, it was off campus from where we stayed as a team, but everyone had a good time and it
0: was, it was a nice pregame meal. to stay in the So that was the good part, but unfortunately the, the game happened the next day and, uh, Ooh, Notre Dame forty seven. Never a good look against a rival. You're the other Catholic school in Division One A, uh, or I should say, football bowl subdivision now. But uh, just, just from your general thoughts, uh, forty to seven from the game on Saturday.
1: Well, the there, there are fine things, and if you listen to the radio broadcast, you'll hear, you know, some of these things, and it, it's funny how certain certain plays or certain things affect the outcome of the game. And when it's a close game and at the end of the half, BC is in good position to to make a play at the end of the first half. And Muse is is there and and they tangle feet and they get a very nice call from the referees, which allows them to go in field, uh, get in a field goal position. And then after that, where BC's kicker was absolutely mauled and – Referees chose not to call the play, and everyone says, "Well, hey, it's forty to seven; like that doesn't matter." Well, it it matters when the, the penalties and other certain things are called, and the referees chose to miss four to five calls that affected the early outcome of the game. Now, the Eagles, on their hand, did not do a good enough job. Besides, you know their second quarter drive where they go. Uh, 16 plays over eight minutes and get a touchdown and go five for five on on third down they they didn't do a good enough job of staying on the field they boston college had 14 drives and only one of them they held the ball for over two and a half minutes so if you're looking at a bc recipe for success that's not it and they needed to execute better on the offensive end, and if you look at it, it was it was more along the lines of an anomaly that the defense played very well, put Boston College in a position to win the game, and the offense didn't, didn't hold up to their part, which you have seen for the first 10 games of the year, and I think as a fan of Boston College football, that would be the most frustrating part of watching them
0: okay you are former QB Scott I'd like to get your thoughts on Dennis Grossell. kind of you know nine for 20 63 yards no Tds to pick uh do you think he was as overwhelmed by the whole atmosphere and uh, overall what's your thoughts of Grosell playing
1: well I thought I thought he did a good job of, of working the pocket and running uh, when when things weren't there available in the first half but I really think the turning point for the game was it at the end of the first half, Boston College was driving, and it was a third down play, and Dennis Grislaw got sacked and fumbled the football. And after that play, uh, BC recovered the fumble, but they still punted. Notre Dame got the football back and ended up going down and kicking a field goal. But after that play, it seemed that Dennis Corsell wasn't playing with the same confidence and same, I don't know, um, the word I'm looking for is probably like determination or conviction. How about conviction is probably a better word. Wasn't playing with the same conviction that he played with earlier, and you saw that happen through the rest of the second half. There were guys that were open that had opportunities to make plays, and he just either didn't deliver the football and when you go in and you look at a Boston College team that had only given up six sacks on the year and they give up four sacks in that game, immediately people ask, well, it's the offensive line. Well, some of those sacks, and I would say probably three of them were were the quarterback just either not making the decision or not not being willing to either throw the football away or throw it to guys that were open. So, um it was frustrating because it was so out of character for Boston College because they didn't run the football well, they didn't convert on third down, which they had done all year, and they'd given up sacks. It, was just, it just didn't seem right for, for how they had played all year, and I guess that was the most frustrating part for watching it is that the defense held up their end of the bargain and actually did more than you could ask for, and the fact that the offense didn't execute well, execute was, was frustrating as a BC fan and to sit there and watch that because you expect that from the first 10 games that you had seen that no defense had been able to do
0: what Notre Dame did to them that day. Yeah, and then that's great segue for the next question. We don't have to belabor the point, but A.J. Dillon, really, you know, 14 carries, 56 yards, and those numbers just don't match up with what he was doing before. Was it a result of Notre Dame's defense, BC's offensive line, a J not seeing the holes. What, what do you think with him? It just seemed like he wasn't never got never got comfortable throughout the afternoon.
1: Well, I think that was the rhythm of the Boston College offense. I mean, you you look at it, and as I said, they had fourteen drives. But besides the you know the seventeen play touchdown drive, the rest of the drives were less than two and a half minutes. They were not able to stay on the field. Uh, Notre Dame did a good job of penetrating and taking away any cutback lanes. And one of the things you look at Boston College is that they really pride themselves on running the football and using, multi, you know, tight ends and, and giving themselves optimal blocking scenarios. But Notre Dame did a very good team job of attacking that and, and not giving Boston College cutbacks. They didn't give them any gaps to exploit. And BC didn't do a good enough job of – seeing what Notre Dame was trying to do defensively and exploit that and capitalize on what they were trying to do. Now There were opportunities there. They saw the opportunities, but they didn't capitalize on that. And when you do that and then you turn the football over, which is uncharacteristic of Boston College, there were just so many things that they did that were out of the norm that were just very frustrating to watch because it just wasn't the team that you've seen for the first 10 games of the year.
0: Okay, uh, other side of the ball, how would you grade out B.C.'s defense? Obviously, uh, Book at 26 to 40, 239 yards, three TDs. Um, the defense, I thought, was better than anticipated, but uh, obviously it fell away at the end. But uh, how would you think the defense played for Boston College?
1: Well, see, there are times when you look at stats and they can be deceiving. And, and, and Boston College, I thought, did a good job of controlling the running game. Now the problems arose when they didn't contain Ian Book in the passing game, and they allowed him too many easy, easy outlets for him to escape the pocket and to use his feet to make a play. And that was containment issues. And they didn't uh, have enough. They didn't have enough discipline to keep him in the pocket and, and, and force him to make throws under duress. And then you look at it, and they're like, "Well, they can. They actually controlled their running game." and you see the 240 or 50 yards rushing, but 50 of that was on a jet sweep that happened after BC had turned the football over, and the quarterback run. So that can make you seem, make it seem that they didn't do a good enough job stopping the run, but they actually did. And the issue was that they weren't able to control their tight end and their inside slot receiver, and, and when, you're, when you can't do that, then it allowed Notre Dame to move the sticks, control the chains, and they dominated the the time of possession. Boston College only had the ball for twenty five minutes in a sixty minute game, and that's not the recipe for success for for BC and how they want to run the football and how they want to play offense.
0: And then, just to put a bow tie on Notre Dame, you know what? I, I guess fans are trying to get a feel for where does this team stand mentally at least. They're five and six, a chance for a bowl game. Um yeah, or, so I feel like this Pittsburgh game can go either way. The seniors uh and the team might just want to be want the season to be over, you know, that could be an option. Uh or they could try to win and get that bowl game and practice more. Where do you think this team kind of stands in that regard? If, if you're a football
1: player, you want to play another game no matter what it what it works frustration or everything that comes with it you always want to have that one more game because you just never know In football it's such a finite thing that when it's over it, it ends quickly there's no pomp and circumstance there's no end of that is it, that all of a sudden they, it's over and you have no other chance to play so as many games as you can play practice and get ready for it, that's what you do and and for for boston college this is a big opportunity for them they match up with pittsburgh very well I think that they're a very good team versus this. I think if you look at the statistics of what Pittsburgh has faced during this year, I think that their numbers make them look better than what they are. I think that, you know, you look at Pittsburgh's um, defensive staff and you look at the the teams that they faced in the ACC, if you you average them out, they're the 81st-ranked, team in, in the in the nation running the football. Well Boston College is not you know, set up that way. They're gonna run it differently. They're a different team and and, and I really think that based on athletes wise and based on skill wise that that this is a really really good matchup for B C and that they have a really good opportunity to win this game. I, I really think that they they can if they come into this game with the right mindset can perform on the level of the Syracuse and the NC State game. I really think that they match up well in this game, and unfortunately, based on other things that people are doubting that. But you look at this, and they're actually ready to go. And if they can perform on the level in which that they have for the for the other ten games, minus the Notre Dame game, that they can actually do good things in this game versus Pitt.
0: And then you know, just talking about the Pittsburgh game, and um, if you had to break it down, what are you know you had a good segue right there. What what are the two or three things that BC needs to do to get that six win against Pitt?
1: Well, they need to they need to keep themselves out of third and long situations. Pitt is an amazing third down team. They're only allowing thirty percent conversion on third down. They have ninety five tackles for loss and forty eight sacks on the year. So when you look at that team that says to me that this is a team that capitalizes on being aggressive, attacking teams and forcing them to to make quick decisions and be fast on the ball and not give offenses the opportunity to attack their defense. So when you look at that BC has to be able to to get after them, find out what what Pitt wants to do, and use that aggressiveness against them because they don't turn a lot of people over. They've only got 13 uh, turnovers on the year, I believe, five fumbles and eight interceptions on the year. But they're an aggressive team, so use that aggressiveness against them and attack them and keep them on their heels. And if you do stuff like that and you, and you eliminate uh, some of the things that they want to do on third down. They've been amazing on third down, but if you're in third and short, then they have to defend a lot more of the field. So that means attacking them on first and second down. Don't give them easy opportunities to blitz and create some havoc where there's negative plays and and force them to play three to four downs of offense, uh, defense.
0: All right, Scott. it should be an exciting game coming up with Pittsburgh. We got. We'll check it out, and we'll do a, a season long recap next time, next week. This time next week, and you know, kind of see where we stand. That you got. I'm a big believer, and you got to judge the team when the the chapter's written. That the season, the 2019 chapter. So we'll see where they stand. And uh, any uh, favorite trips uh, for this road trip? Any favorite restaurants you're looking for Pittsburgh's got a good food scene.
1: Yeah, they do. I, I think I, like everyone has mentioned, Pemani's, where I can get the sandwiches that are kind of like Cleveland, where they're sandwiches with French fries and coleslaw on it. So the dance after Thanksgiving, you probably need to stretch the stomach out a little that's bit. That's
0: true. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm
1: anxious to see. I'm anxious to see what's on tap for us. But uh, we got a good crew that's coming out, and uh, if anybody has any suggestions, I'd love to hear them.
0: Yeah, I forgot to do that on Twitter last week after you remind me. I'll make sure to get that out this week. This is a short week, too, so we're going to get it out quick and get some responses for you.
1: I would love it. I would love to hear some thoughts.
0: All right, Scott, as always, thank you so much for the time, and hopefully we get BC a win, and we're talking about maybe a potential bowl destination next week.
1: Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Yes, they need this, this win more than you could ever possibly imagine, and... I believe that they can do it. I I expect an Eagles victory this weekend. I think this is a good matchup for
0: Washington College, and I think that they're going to actually pull out a W. All right, Scott. Thanks again. Thanks, Mike. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at ChestnutHillTechnologies.com. That's ChestnutHillTechnologies.com.